Behind the sport, we're back. Season two uh, interrupted. Uh, Brent, how you doing? Good man, I'm fantastic. I'm pumped. Had pumped, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, had had sort of a bit of a break, but I've got uh, heaps on the go and sort of the uh, Arise Racing uh, event this weekend, sort of the first pseudo kickoff to the season, I suppose. So. Yeah, yeah to the up. to the to the circuit season anyway. Like the drags has been, well, that's been a bit interrupted this year because um, of COVID and um, his lordship changing regulations around to, to whenever it suits him. Um, funnily enough, as soon as he gets put in quarantine, the uh, quarantine times drop. Which yeah, was it's funny, funny that. Eh? I think it's. Yeah. I don't know. I. Was, kind of pro it in the start you know wa has been going from strength to the strength but kind of over it now like it's just, i think i think, everyone I think it's the flip it's the flip-flopping yeah it's yeah. not necessarily that it's still going it's more i think the flip-flopping yeah you know you you get you gear up for one thing and then uh then there's the flip-flop yeah 100 so yeah. uh yeah but um Drag racing's been going good. Uh, rap motivation on the weekend—that was insane. Um, hats off to um, uh, the Summer Nats team working with uh, some of the locals over here to get, keep that running and reinvigorate it. Uh, I didn't—I didn't get out there this year. Was it like huge spectator-wise? Spectator-wise, was a bit down. But I mean, when you're looking at a 39-degree day, yeah, it was hectic on Friday, 42 on saturday and sunday was i mean look sunday's a bit of a non-event like it's yeah it's your burnout comp finals um yeah which is your, your top 10 yeah um yeah it, it it's and it's a lot of just handing out trophies and stuff so it, it while it is an important day it's it's not really entertaining for the crowd as such. Yeah. But the big burnouts were actually really on the, on the Saturday night during qualifying, you know, fires coming out of cars, um, Flinty absolutely, you know, as usual, set the pad on fire literally, um, yeah, as well as the back end of his uh, beautiful uh, Ford. So, Lawrence you know, what they do with some of those cars, the way they... <laughs> Because some of they're so well built, like the the um the little uh, was it the Mighty Boy that that one? Like, did you see the yep. chassis on that thing? Like, I'm kind of so well. Like, we supplied a couple of little things for that car, but the um yeah, the well fab- that that won the Grand Champion, which um there's a, a few very uh, annoyed people about that, but yeah, they're going, oh, it's a Mighty Boy, you know that shouldn't win. But hang on, but like the amount of work that went into it, and it was so different. But that's the trend that's been going now. So like it's just yeah. it's just based on the sheer workmanship and so over yeah. over east we've seen well, a, you know an RX three win, we've seen uh, a Nissan win now. You know like the at some of the big ones because it's it's just based on it, it doesn't have to be a steel bumper. It, it's yeah if you've gone through it doesn't matter whether it's a little car or a big car or a steel bumper or what the amount of fabrication and customization and quality of that work. It's not just the amount of plenty of custom cars that are horrible but yeah. it's the quality of the workmanship that goes into some of these things which is just next level. i mean 
you know, yeah. getting I, I was I had the opportunity to go up nice and close and personal and almost cuddle the thing. Um, well, you probably could with the size of it. I, I probably could have. <laughs> I would definitely. I don't know. I think it would have been a match for who was the big spoon. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, like the the way the V eight was put into it was, you know, it looked very nice and tidy. Um, you know, the the cabling and everything into the chassis, which the chassis lifted up. Yeah, the whole body came up, and the guys. Yeah, the body came up. The chassis, like it's just, it was nuts. Like it was absolutely nuts. The work that went into that. Yeah, and um, his, his other car, he's got a one tonner burnout car, which is equally as impressive. It's a very well built car as well. It's just crazy. Yeah, so I think that was very well deserved. Uh, the burnout comp was, you know, pretty cool. The again, as I said, Saturday night was probably the better one. Um, Skid Row, so they bought Skid Row over from Summonats for the first time. Yeah. Um, so there was in the was, they did that in the staging lane area, but yes, yeah, st- staging lane photos. One. Yeah. Yep. Um. So a few people, you know, had a bit of a wing. Yeah, it's too far away and blah blah blah. But you know, honestly, I think that was pretty damn close. You know, and you're never going to get to hang over the edge of the concrete barrier as the car come past because some idiot is going to put his hand into oh, a spinning tire. And... Or a bit of belt slap or, or yep. whatever, yep. you know. You know, so you know, there's been some suggestions, maybe grandstand or something next year, and um, they sort of kept it as a bit of a separate um, thing. So Skid Row was run by itself, so it wasn't part of the cruising session or anything like that. Yeah. Um, some people sort of said, hey, it would have been cool if it was part of the cruising session. You know, you, if you want to go straight out onto the, the strip, you can go that way. Otherwise, you know, you go go out on the uh, on Skid Row. And again, I think Skid Row, from what I've seen over east, is very uh, sort of quick quick burnouts. Like they're not... Yeah, it's, you know, it's not like... Sit, yeah. sit, sit on there and try and pop your tyres, which is what a few of the guys did here. Uh, yep. So... I mean that's that's just you know the, I think just it's been a while since a lot of them let off steam so no it's cool it's just cool to see it done cool to see the venue yep. used it, it is a magic venue like it's yep. easy to get to the parking's fantastic it's really good amenities you know people kind yep. of forget that um, you know like imagine if you tried to have that it's uh, there's nowhere else you could really have that uh, Wanneroo's not really set up the access wise no you know what the drags is you know the pits the whole way. Are, you know, you've got the infield, but you can't fit everyone that's a motivation on that infield, right? No. Um, and the Claremont Showgrounds, you imagine that going on there? Well, Betty, Betty wouldn't. Actually, no, I won't yeah. say Betty because Betty's my grandmother's name. Um, but you can't get to Claremont uh, Showgrounds. You can't park. It's not yeah, sort of, it's you horrible. know, it's hard. So it's horrible. Yeah. Um, and some some guy went up in a helicopter without the doors on, nearly shed his pants. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. You're a pretty brave man. Like, who's braver, you or the pilot taking you up? I don't know, but uh... I, I don't know. I think you, I think you got a bit. Uh, I think you had a bit of a moment as we took off because, uh, you know, I'm not the world's smallest person and probably weighed as much as the two guys on the left side of the plane. Um, uh, oh, sorry, of the helicopter. No, well, it actually dipped as it took off. Like the the right hand side just dipped down a bit. So. He sort of set it back down again, made some adjustments, and then retook off again. So it was, um, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, that's gold. Good on you, man. But yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, yeah, when it went up above motivation, um, unfortunately, just as we got up, everything stopped. Um, but still good. Like, I got a couple of good photos, like a monster trucks going around, and yeah, just the sort of sheer scale of the event 
um, when you're on the ground, you don't realize you know, how big it actually is. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, can't wait to do it again, maybe just with some uh, warning about the dip to the right. Yeah. Um, that that would be fantastic, just so I don't go, oh, shit. Well, I think uh, they do a bit of a, don't they, you know, they get up and then they do a bit of a hover just to make sure they've got uh, lift and everything's all ready to, ready to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it was everything. Like yeah, and obviously they do it all very safely and how they need to do it. So, but um, it was just when I said, "Yeah, can you go back around?" You know, I need to grab some shots from my side because we had. So there's a yeah. film crew up there at the same time as me. So the film crew were getting what they wanted um, because we're on different sides of the helicopter. Obviously, when they're getting stuff uh, of the motorplex, I'm getting Konana Industrial Area. Uh, so we had to turn around and, um, yeah, like that, that angle is uh, the angle of the dangle of the, the helicopter made some other dangly bits, not so dangly. <laughs> um, and, uh, I swear there was like a bit of a pops sound when I got off the seat from the suction, uh, from, from, uh, things that got puckered. So yeah. Yeah. It's, you'll be right. <laughs> And I've, I've spent, a, you know, all my time working offshore. I've, I've spent a few, fair few miles in, in helicopters, but they are—they're not a natural feeling compared to being in a plane. I reckon that's the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is, it is a bit, bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a di- bit different. Um, put it that way. But yeah, no, it's cool, man. So, so that's awesome. You've yeah. been that's flat out. And I've seen some of the other video work you've been doing as well, like the um, following the motorbike guy. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that's been pretty yeah. artistic. Pretty cool. Yeah, look, there's been a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, we just uh, locked away uh, for the commercial side of obviously what we do, uh, which helps pay for behind the sport. But of course, if anyone ever wants to, you know, buy us a coffee or a beer or whatever, just reach out. You know, like we've got a new website. New website's going really well. Uh, lots of sponsorship spots available on there, um, you know. Uh, but anyway. Um, What's the new website just to uh, plug that thing? Well, it's, it's still behind the sport.net, um, but this is about, and this isn't an exaggeration, this is about the uh, 300th time I've rebuilt it. Um, and I'm actually happy with it this time. It's very fast. It's, uh, you know, got everything we need, uh, stripped out a lot of stuff we didn't need. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, but yeah, if you go on there, like you know, we've been averaging, um, which I think is pretty good for a little West Australian website. We've been doing two hundred uh, users a day, two hundred people a wow. day. Wow! How many are you getting through there? Unique, unique people. Yep, yeah, so not yep. the same guy that's stuck on there reading for his whole yeah, lunch not break. just not just pressing refresh all the time. Um, so yeah, we're doing about two hundred a day at the moment. That's pretty awesome. Um, man. We peaked on uh, Sunday, obviously, with motivation on. Uh, we peaked at, jeez, uh, what did we get up to on Sunday? Uh, I don't know, lots. Yeah, it was lots. It was lots. It was. And some of those articles were coming out so quick. And, like, I don't, yeah, you obviously, it's not just all you, but it's the team you've got now, like, some of those articles are coming out so slick. Like, yeah, so so we've got uh, Bridget Bell's doing uh, women in motorsport stuff. Um, uh, she's got some non-women in motorsport stuff coming up too as well, which is awesome. 
Um, you've got uh, Chris Mitchell with his sim racing stuff and reviews. How and, good are those videos? Like proper. Um, they look yeah. pretty, pretty pimp. Well, one of one of those uh, videos was actually done uh, full disclosure by us. Um, as part of uh, the commercial side of the business, was that um, the uh, the one with the the new cockpit with the you know all the safety yeah. and then that was pretty yeah 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 that was pretty flash yeah so uh, thanks to John Lee at Racecraft for thinking of us and reaching out to uh, do that for him um, and yeah and then he's also doing uh, drag racing event recaps which is fantastic because they're really good he he talks the talk he knows the people um yeah this i I don't think we could have got anyone better on board to write for that um yeah we've got dj lab show you know with the video work that he does for us um you know the non-commercial video stuff he's checking all that up uh we've got a guy from the uk that's going to be joining us very shortly who's going to be doing all the moto gp stuff oh very cool um so we'll have moto gp coverage cool season this year too um and then plus obviously all your local motorsport stuff and uh starting to finally get uh, a few local events sending through stuff um the speed event series uh is it peter molly or phil molly phil 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 peter, yeah i don't know if peter can yeah. write um yeah, he's 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 <laughs> promised he's promised after the last three years of me nagging him to actually send me stuff Oh man, so I feel sorry for Phil. So man. He is, see what happens. <laughs> he has got his hands full of it. I'm just, I'm in a couple of the group chats, and I give Phil a bit of stick, you know, because like speed events, it's it's a really cool um, thing in WA. It's it's not unique to WA, but it's a really cool thing. It's ultra competitive, like more competitive yeah. than what people realize for what's supposed to be a, a entry level thing. But there's a lot of people that just don't want to go door to door, right? So that's their thing. Um, yeah. But man, some of the, like any form of motorsport, the infighting within the categories that he is one of the organizers has to deal with is, is next level. Like it's. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. I, I'm in the, the main group, not the chat, but just the group. And it's like, come on. Yeah, some people, people just, I don't know, it's just people. Man, life would be easier yeah. if we were all robots, I suppose. But I mean, it'd be Sometimes. boring if we're all the same. We all like the same thing because we'd just all be driving around in GDRs and, and living happily ever after, you know? Yeah, I don't know about GCRs, but yep, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, we've got a few a few other people. We've got um, got a young young driver who was actually on our one of our first episodes, Antonio Studi. Awesome. Um, he's going to be joining as well to write some stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm just in the middle of uh, speaking with a few others. Um, there's a guy over in the States who's, uh, competing in the Mazda cup that I want to get on board Ooh, with the, um, the little formula Ford ones or the MX five cup, the, the MX five cup. Oh, cool. That is massive over there. And like yeah. massively, uh, uh, it's as hectic as our Porsche racing here. If, if yep. that makes sense, the amount of bravado that goes with everything around that series. Cause I keep tabs on that one. It's kind of cool. Yeah, is it, does that include lawsuits as well? Actually, no, let's not talk about that. No, that's um, Jeff's a, Jeff is a Jeff is a um, is, is is a friend and a very very good dude. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. There's, there's a just, there's a family it, tie there. I just I just yeah yeah. Anyway, that just sucks. On. Anyway, that call was just dumb. But anyway, yeah. Um, and of course, uh, you know, I mean, it's months later, and everyone's probably sick of hearing about it. But uh, yeah, Max Verstappen, good on your champ. 
Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't care. I wish Massa was an Australian so I could hate on him. Yeah. Look. Look. Either way, uh, no matter what the call that was going to make, oh, it was going to um, be ugly. No matter which. It's going to be ugly. Finish yep. with the way that you know. Finish under. Finish under a safety car is going to be ugly. Uh, don't remove the cars from in between ugly. the two front runners. It's going to end ugly. Yeah. Um, you know the amount of pressure heaped on Massey all season. Oh. Yeah, and and you know, yeah. I don't, we we don't know what they used to do to Charlie, yeah, because we were never privy to that. Yeah, so absolutely. Charlie Charlie may or may not have been given that same level of uh, pressure, but I also think I think uh, personally, I believe that uh, that the teams were definitely trying it on Massey in oh, his first full season, you know, to 100%. see what they could get away with. Yeah, and they, they never, the yeah, millions, millions, millions yeah. and millions and millions of dollars. Absolutely. So it's, um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, in, in my opinion, the best thing that could have happened would have been it, it, it would have finished under the safety, you know, like, and that sucks. That's, that's not what you see. Now it's owned by, you know, an American type company you want to see a show. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I think in my, everyone's probably going to hate it, but I think Lewis probably should have won that. But do you want to see him win that many times? No. Yeah. Let's see what and, this season does. It also comes back to you know, like a few have said, well, you know, they had the opportunity to put him in and get fresh tires when there was a gap. You know, yeah. so there's there's all this stuff. You know, there's so many decisions yeah, Mac, made. Yeah, themselves with their typical we want placement yeah, strategy. You yeah, know, like it's as see through as anything. So it's, yeah, it's so much. There's so much, and there's so many variables that went into that. I think it's it is unfair to put the blame solely on Massey, which a lot of people are doing, because there's plenty of opportunities for other decisions to have been oh, made. Abs. Yeah, no, abs, you, you're right. Yeah, there's lots of holes in the cheese, so to speak, and they're all lined yeah. up, and that's the result we got. So, yeah. yeah. You know, Red Bull could have not pitted for Stappen. Yep. You know, and it would have been a non... Yeah, it's just, it is. It's just so many variables that went into that. Um. And obviously, ultimately, the decision to unlap the cars. Um, but you know, like watching—I mean, to me, watching it—you know—they got there came a point where um, Hamilton just gave up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it was. You know, he it was. was um, he was defending, 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 and he just went no, yeah, and moved no. aside. And you know, I'm not saying that again. That could have changed it, but. You know, who's to say that, you know, something didn't happen with him blocking? Well, I just think... You know, um, I, I thought he could have gone wide. He could have, you know, like there's so... It was just... Yeah, yeah. I thought they were going to take each other out in the first five laps. That's That was my prediction. Yeah. And that didn't happen. And, and Hamilton stormed most of the race. It was yeah. untouchable. And then it just... Yeah, that, that's, that's motorsport. It's cruel. It's weird. It's just out there and... So let's just see what these uh, this season brings. I'm looking forward to the new cars. You know, I want. Yeah. I know the salary cap's a bit of a farce from some of the articles I've read so far. You know, oh, yeah, teams you get around it with uh, with sponsorship money. So yeah, and the uh, you know that sort of so that sort of you know it sort of doesn't really work. And then the teams that have already had the big budgets, obviously, you already have the big engineering bases. Um, so there's you know there's already a massive. So anyway. We'll just see what happens. It's it's cool. Yeah. Um, hopefully, there's the new Netflix show, and we can all figure out what's happening in the off season and go from there. 
Yeah, well, I'm I'm fairly sure that I saw a Netflix camera in the Mercedes garage at that last race. Oh, did you see the? I saw a meme today. I don't know if it's true or not, and it might be old. But uh, Horner, uh, at a, like, there's a charity auction, you know what they do, and these 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 gala, <laughs> gala, you know, tight black tie galas or whatever you want to call them, and um, yeah, Christian Horner bid you know five thousand pounds or euros or whatever for a tour of the uh, Mercedes F1 factory. You know, which would yeah. be a cool thing to win if you're into F1, but the fact that he did it, like, that's just funny. Like, that makes me really laugh. Uh, it'd be so, funny if it did. Funny if it was true. Yeah, I saw it. T- I saw a meme on it today. So if that's true, that's really funny. And especially if it all follows through, you know, like to him, yep. the sort of budgets these guys are on and the sort of pay packets these guys have that that sort of personal donation or, or raffle thing isn't, there's nothing, you know, in the scheme of things. So it's just funny. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, speaking of funny, weird, unusual things, mm-hmm. this week's guest. Yeah, who's that? You. Me. You. Yep. Yep. Thought it was about time we 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 asked asked the uh, the guy who uh, gets turned on about motorsport. Oh man, racing turns me on. <laughs> about about what. What turns him on about it and, you know, where he got started and that. So, uh, yeah, this week's guest, Brett Peters. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going through that whole chat again. Hey, um, so, motor, Motorsport Tragic, how did how did you get your start in motorsport? Um, yeah, just young. Um, grew up in New Zealand, which is full of motorsport, mad people have family that's into motorsport really liked cars um started the traditional way you know um sprints hill climbs speed events sort of stuff a little bit of drifting any karting no karting no i wasn't a, a, a carter no um so i lived right next to the whitra kart club um, so, uh, my auntie, uh, and uncle, they owned the stables on top of the hill. Um, my uncle, another uncle sponsored the club. Um, but no, at that stage, uh, we just didn't have the budget to go karting. It's something my, my dad had, had looked into, but, um, no, that, that was just not something that we did. Um, and then, uh, uh, my first year in high school, we moved from there north, which is then where, you know, life sort of kicked up a gear and went to high school and, and um, you know, did my degree and, and uh, tra- or trade and then degree and time. And, yeah, it's been – Kobe spent some money on cars on the side and really got into it and then went overseas. So everything sort of stopped for 10 years. Um, okay. And then, yeah, always had a car back in New Zealand while I was working overseas in different places, um, ch- chasing that oil and gas dream. Um, so I had, uh, yeah, my first proper, well, yeah, my first race-ish car was a Mark one Escort. Um, I had a Skyline at the time as well. I've had all sorts of stuff, man. I had, I've always had multiple cars. I'm just an idiot for taking on way too much, you know, so like, uh, my first, first car was like a Mazda 323 we put a rotary into and 
then a Zephyro and a Skyline and an RX-4 and an RX-2 and a Cosmo and you name it, just all that sort of stuff and always competed on the side and whatever I could. A little bit of uh, import drag racing way back in the day as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, circuit racing is sort of what really did it for me. Um, and in New Zealand, we're pretty lucky, you know, like you had Pukekohe, which was an hour from where I, I used to live when I was a little bit older. Um, you had Taupo, which was three hours. So Taupo used to be all, awesome. Um, so it used to be a little small track about the size of Collie Old Track. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they did a big extension on it, made it Taupo International Circuit, which you could split into three. But um, back in the day, I was on the social club committee at the power station where I did all my time. And uh, we used to have track days for the social club, the power station. We'd, we'd hire Taupo Racetrack and do track days. Like, I don't know many organizations that do that sort of stuff these days, but back in the day, it was, you know, government-owned uh, entity at that stage. And uh, it was, yeah, that was pretty cool. So that was, so I've always been doing that sort of stuff. Um, fast forward, moved to Australia. Uh, I was in central Queensland for a while where I brought another Mazda and, you know, did a, rotary conversion on that and, and mucked around with that on the side between flying to Aberdeen for stints and backwards and forwards when I was working for British Gas and then uh, tried to settle down and we settled down in Darwin and I was working offshore out of Darwin and uh, I think I, I flew to Darwin on the Friday before my wife flew up and I brought a car on the Saturday went straight to the racetrack for a, <laughs> for a speed event um, and uh I was in the, uh, it was an S14, Sylvia. And um, so, yeah, I, I brought that, did the speed event. I was sharing a pit bay with a guy in a uh, Carrera. Um, random dude. Uh, turns out he was my, my boss's boss. Um, but that worked out pretty funny. Um, so, yeah, that and Darwin. So they, they had the speed event on the morning and drifting on the afternoon. And I hung around did the drifting as well. And that's where I met a couple of really good guys in Darwin, Danny Probert and, and Mitch and Danny and, um shane and those guys and um yeah just sort of and ben gaggett and there's a few other heap of really good guys in darwin and i sort of got hooked on on drifting for a bit there um because i was infuriated at how much i sucked at it you know like (laughs) uh, it looked easy i had good car control i had throttle response you know i had you know i had and i had a car that theoretically should drift really well um but yeah man i think i spent that that first event just every single run spinning out off turn five and then from there it was just everything i did was to get that sorted out and then i was in darwin for about five years before uh transferred to the head office in perth for a project role and then everything sort of just went went up from there kicked up a notch from there so you're um i gotta i gotta like go way back because you know you're so old um yeah. and most of our guests are pretty young, <laughs> young in comparison yeah um the, the, your your first outing uh competitively how did you go um so my first competitive outing um i'm trying to remember is it is the auckland car club uh and it was a sprint at pukekohe and i can't remember if i did it in, a, in a skyline or the escort um yeah. But it was average. I didn't do very well, uh, but I managed to drive home. So that's about all I remember from it. Um, I just remember just thinking it was awesome just being there and um, 
being able to to do it and i think just being at the racetrack and i think it was the weekend before a a v8 round so there's all the big tents and stuff like that and and just being at the racetrack you know so i'm there in my hokey little race car and there's yeah. you know and it's only like a, a speed event style event but in new zealand because motorsport's so so vast and, and there is so much interest in it there's you know you, and you get that with speed events here as well you rock up and you're in your your, your little car and there's porsches and exterioring cars and cool open wheel things that just sound rad and you have no idea what they are and you know so it's just sort of awestruck um and that's sort of yeah that's what i was really into and before that i'd just been a, a muppet that had done burnouts and intersections and you know cruised around sitting way too low in the car with with no idea so <laughs> oh dear so uh you, you mentioned that uh you went out when you got up to darwin you know you bought a car you know or you had a car just before the day you know your, your lovely wife arrived and we've got to give a shout out to your wife i think she's uh when we get into it in a little bit i think everyone will understand why but um how did she take to you to the whole darwin thing you know like the day before she gets up there you've you've got another another car and off you off you go oh yeah she's so we've got this love-hate relationship where she calls me kevin when i do stuff like that and that's out of pure love so her dad's name's kevin um he's a mechanic he's owned a owned his own workshop forever he's retired now owned his own workshop forever um and he is a serial hoarder of cars right right he had containers at family farms of cars hidden in them and stuff stashed away at the workshop and at andrea's brother's place and andrea's um sister's place and andrea's cousin's place and you name it he had cars stashed every year and all sort not not one theme it was all sorts of stuff from like old austins to mid-90s junk bmws to you name it he had stuff stashed all around that country um to keep it away from us oh, i think i think evelyn uh always knew how much crap he had but uh yeah so whenever i do something daft like that where i've yeah where i just get out of just go and buy get, get fixed i need to get one I need to go there's there's a tuning day on or there's a sprint on I'll, i want to enter it i want to meet all these people in darwin so i'm gonna buy a race car and do it um so that's she just calls me kevin um she, she keeps me on a bit of a leash but at the same time she knows that's what makes me tick and she's yeah. into cars you know so she uh she did her her time in a garage as well um she's she's well into cars she's not competitive at all like me she's competitive about her, her fitness and her running but uh no when it comes to cars she just likes a cool cruiser and that's sort of her thing but she knows uh race cars is what that really does it for me and um you know it's as long as the bills are paid and the kids are happy uh it's all good you know um the the family stuff always comes first and, and the car money the car budget that can't come out of any of the family spend that's sort yep. of an unwritten rule and the other rule is her car has to always be inside the garage so her car might not be the, <laughs> the most expensive in the fleet but it's always got to have a spot inside yeah and and with the perth weather that's pretty understandable yeah yeah absolutely so um when you when you got over to perth what car did you have uh so before she had landed in perth uh i'd brought her this is for her um yeah so so i had when we first went to perth i had three months in a uh, an apartment in west perth that was put on by the company 
Uh, so we had no garaging or anything, but uh, that first weekend I got a taxi out to Jindala mm-hmm. um, and brought an RX-7. Right. Uh, that little black convertible one we still got. So she actually, we'd agreed, she'd wanted me to build her a uh, little MX-5 with a Toyota V8 because a, a friend in New Zealand had my old RX-7. That, that's that's what they did, one UZ Toyota V8s into everything. And so he said, yeah, we'll just do it. We've got the conversion kit. I already had all the mounts and everything. Um, I'll buy you an MX-5 and do that. And then I was, was searching for convertibles on, uh, what have been Gumtree, I think, back then. Um, and found the RX-7. I was like, man, we never really got the convertible RX-7s in New Zealand. We were both massive fans. And I still had my other RX-7 at this stage. Um, so brought that. And, yeah. It was um, history. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there was another Kevin moment, <laughs> kind of for her. That's her car, but... Uh... Yeah. Okay. Uh, so um, when you when you got into WA, where did you, you know, what was your first uh, adventure into motorsport here? Oh, ADGP. So that was the weekend before I physically moved here. Um a friend from Adelaide, I crewed for him in ADGP um, uh, with the um, drifting then. Um, and then I think it was about a month later, maybe two months later, I brought the black skyline, the coupe, and I did a what used to be called BDA. So it used to be Barbagello Drift Assault. Yep. Um, and it was like a sort of it stemmed from the original college drift assault days. And it was like two days of drifting at Barbagello with camping and um yeah straight into that um broke down on the freeway on the way to the way to the track the first time and uh you know and the local guys helped me out and dropped his he drove his drift car and picked up mine with a trailer and yeah funny it's just met a lot of people there um and then yeah so that was first foray into it and then it was uh speed events not long after okay you know uh jack's hill climb and uh yeah, Jack's Hill Climb and um, the Albany Sprint and just the the short circuit sprints they used to be then. Um, it's kind of sad we don't use short circuit anymore because it's uh, pretty challenging and, and good for its own different reasons. Okay. The um, Jack's Hill, have you drifted up Jack's Hill? Oh, heaps. Yeah. Uh, I love Jack's Hill. I think it's one of the most... Uh, one of the more underutilized pieces of infrastructure we have. I think with not much work, you could make Jack's Hill a, a pretty cool feature of the facility. It's used heaps. You know, the drifters love it. The um, soapbox guys, are, it's cool to see them. Um, and when they do the, the small hill climbs on it, it's, uh, it's really cool. Yeah, no, Jack's – and I'm lucky I haven't taken out any fences on Jack's Hill yet. I've tagged the fence, but I haven't taken one out. Okay, so, so you haven't actually popped your – Jack's Hill cherry yet then? No, you got to go pretty hard to, to whack that fence hard enough to take it out. <laughs> um, and this was cool. Jack's is quite technical. Like if, yeah, it's uh, yeah, really cool. Is it's a uh, pretty sweet layout. So what car were you using for the speed events? Uh the Skyline as well. Okay. Yeah, I'm a massive Skyline guy. So my my pick a car. I've always had Skylines since I was. 21 and always had skylines um just massive uh yeah to me they i don't know it's funny man they're 20 years old now right and to me they're still a new car so to me a 32 skyline still modern but the they're they're as old as yeah 
I mean, they're going for new car prices these days. Oh, more than man, I'm so, I'm so annoyed. I bid on I bid on GDR. I just got blown out of the water on another one. Um, that's still like ten days from from completing its auction, and it's already yep. at ridiculous money. And then I missed out on one three weeks ago, two weeks ago. That ended up going for reasonable money. Went for it blew still blew me away. Um, but I was bidding on it. The bidding stagnated. I uh, had like a minute to go. I was like, man, I finally got one. It was a factory black car, very non-modified, you know, OEM wheels, still everything. Um, and then the bidding just went, it rocketed up, ended up going for like 88 plus fees. And that's already on the open market now for 120. Like wow. I said, yeah, like it's been turned, they've turned it around, registered it. And three weeks later, it's on the open market for 120. Just blew me away. It's nuts. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Yeah, for cars like I had one, I've had two GDRs now. Um, I sold one that I brought in um, and then sold it for like 22 and a half grand. I made two grand on it and I thought I was a baller. I thought I was the man. I made two, I made money on a car <laughs> for starters that I had for about six months uh, or three months. Or so I didn't have that long, that one. Um, but I made money. But if I'd kept that car in a shed, just put it in a hay barn somewhere and forgot about it for 15 years... Yep. Um, that would that I would have made eighty grand. You know what I mean? It was it was a maroon V spec, um, stock standard apart from a, a HK Super Dragger exhaust, and man, I would have made a killing. Mm. But yeah, I'm so oh, yeah. Man. So that's I've got a collection of cars that that are forever cars that I want to have, um, and and they're all because I've got different weird personal connections to them. So yep. GDRs on that list, uh, Mark One Escort. Triumph Spitfire, GD40, um, and an RX-7. So I've pretty much got that set. There's a few other cars that I just want to own, um, and I'm slowly working through that list. But there's a yeah, once I get a handful on, on a couple of other ones, they just they'll be the forever cars. Yep, fair enough. So yeah. after your uh, your coupe, where did you go from there with your cars? Oh, so I crashed that coupe at Collie. Um, and I had like three weeks to reshell it to get it ready for a, a national round up at Darwin, where we organised to get a truck and a heap of cars up to Darwin. Um, and so that's the white sedan that I've got now is what we reshelled that black coupe into within like two weeks, thanks to Damo and um, Aaron Cole and Alex Safino and Dom Safino. Those guys all like worked their ass off in like a week to get a thing ready to go on a truck to go to Darwin. Um, and I think I came seventh or something in that round. Um, and I still got the sedan now. The sedan's the one that was a drift car, became a race, half race, half drift car, full race car. It's gone back to a drift car now. Yeah, um, yeah super, super good car. It's got all that that engine was built yonks ago, and it's still it's an awesome car. Well, that's that's it's haggard. It's had a hard life. It's a well used car, but I think it's what makes it so cool to me. Like for me, <laughs> I don't know I could ramble on about this for hours, but. I've had so many people and I've seen so many people ripped off buying, you know, race ready or track ready cars that just aren't, you know, they've never turned a tire in anger and all the little stuff isn't sorted out to them. To me, yeah. a, a car that's currently on the track and is being raced ultimately holds more value. And, and maybe that's just my fantasy with motorsport, but, you know, whether you don't, whether you buy one and you don't race it again, but cars that have got all the bugs sorted out, you can turn up and just smash laps. That's, that to me, that's cool. Okay. Uh, where to next after the skyline? What else? Because uh, you got a long list. Yeah, I got heaps of stuff coming on XLs. So I got into XLs yep. for a bit there. I built, uh, I built a couple. 
Um, and I really like the XLs because I just see it as an easy way into door-to-door racing. I mean, they've yep. got a bit expensive now for, you know, like we're really lucky, you know, everyone makes good money in WA and, and we can afford to do that sort of stuff. But to be honest, uh, motor, state level motorsport isn't overly cheap, you know, like it's not yep. to get an XL on the track. It's now closer to 15 grand really by the time you got a gear and you got a car that's, you know, not going to be a complete bucket. So you've got to have that expendable income there for starters before you even start getting memberships and licenses and race entries and tires and all the stuff that goes with it. So some, yeah. So the, the yeah, XLs currently, currently an XL for sale. Um, oh, I feel really bad about whose it is. It's like 30 grand or something. Yeah. There's some wild ones for sale um, and some really lovely cars, man. Like I've seen a couple of the, um cars that are put together as nice as um you know any of the top sports sedan sports cars but in saying that man you get that with the um ip cars there's some wa has some absolutely gorgeously finished ip cars and saloons man you want to see some of the saloons like that martin found a new one yeah that just that turned out so well um and if that's that's where people's passion is and that's i, I really think people take that sort of pride in a car is a really good thing it's good for the sport. Mm. It's good for the category. Um, so, yeah, XLs are no longer the, you know, the, the bunky slap together. And you can see that the cars that are up the front are all well put together, well looked after, and well drilled. The guys yeah. have a lot of laps in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why I still Guys and girls, because of course... Yeah, guys and there. girls, absolutely. There are some girls. Tanya is awesome. Yeah. And I think uh, Nug's going to come out in one soon. Yep. Um, there's... Uh, yep. Yeah, like I've still got an XL now. It's, it's too good a deal to, to pass up from a mate. Um, and I love the XL Enduro. Uh, I'd love to see uh, a proper Enduro format for WA for all categories, but it gets hard because Enduro takes a lot of officials. Um, yeah. As soon as you need fuel in a car, so any more than 30 laps for just about any other category, you need a fuel stop. Um, yeah. So as soon as you need a fuel stop, you need five pit crew that are suited and booted, the same as a driver, to be able to do that. So it takes a lot of people and WA just is, isn't big enough yet. We don't have enough sports sedans, uh, sports cars and production style touring cars that carry the fuel load to, to do it at, you know, hundred or 300 easily. And yeah. then the amount of officials it would take up. So it's kind of to do a 300, that's a standalone event, right? Um, our calendar is already smashed. Officials put so much time and effort into the events that it is to add another one to that workload. Man, it's, it's just hard. So I really like the format that the XLs do with a, you know, smaller 40 lap enduro. They used to do it in New Zealand. They used to have, we used to have a um, summer enduro series through the North Island, and it was a similar format. You know, it was like a, a practice. Uh, a, no, yeah, a practice a qualify. The opposite driver started. Um, and it was only like a short uh, 40 minutes or 45 minute enduro, something like that. 40 minutes, I think. And then it had a mandatory driver change between laps 10 and 20, similar to what we do for the XLs. And, yeah, it's a cool format. It makes you a bit more of a team thing, um, gets people in, into the category from other categories. Yeah, so that's why I still got an XL. I, I, I love the Enduro. I love that the first one, we, we built a car specifically for that Enduro. But so Paul Pissaris talked me into it. Uh, yep. He lives just up, just up the road from me. Um, so the XL category put on Enduro, the idea was that all the second drivers had to be interstate drivers. So I built that white car, literally finished it the Friday of the Enduro, like putting the seat and everything in it and getting the logbook, had to get a special logbook for the day, etc. Um, so I had 
uh, Ducky in the car with, man, I can't remember the guy's name, kid from over east. Um, and that was just a cool event, man. I got a couple of guys to help pit crew extra than normals, made it sort of a, you know, we all had a big dinner at the pub and yep. yeah, yeah nice. that camaraderie side, I think that's what makes it that bit cooler to me. So, yeah. Yep. Now, uh, you've recently got your hands on a Renault Megane. Yeah, I love that car already. Yeah. Yeah. So that car, um, so that was a, another dumb auction. Per- that was another dumb Kevin moment. So it was my 40th. <laughs> Um, I was at the racetrack with Chris Chevrel, my good mate. They were working yep. on the Skyline. Uh, I had permission to bid on a GDR that was going through Lloyd's auction. It was a salvage um, R34, so yep. expensive car for a wreck. Um, but I had permission to bid on that. Um, and I just and it just went for crazy money. Like it went for way, to be, in my opinion, it went for way more than what it was worth. It, it, you probably wouldn't have got it back on the road. It would have only been good to build as a race car. Um, 34s aren't really great race cars unless you're going to put a lot of power into them because they're so big and heavy. So it, was, it just went for a lot, a lot of money. Um, and the next auction lot was this little Renault again, which is a, a long story. It was a production race car um, out of Queensland, went to a guy in Melbourne. He tried to turn it back into a road car to do sort of fun hill climbing stuff with, but so it sort of dumbed it down a bit. Um, and then COVID hit. Obviously, Melbourne got trashed with COVID. So it went yep. through the auctions and I put a stupid bid in really, really cheaply and, and uh, got it. And then uh, with Chris, who's sort of, I, I was talking with him, I wanted a, I wanted a front wheel drive car. I was really keen on, on buying a Honda Civic because um, there's so much fanfare with the time attack style racing, which I really like with the Civics. They make a lot of, they're, they're really fast for, I'm going to say they make a lot of power, but they're, they're really, really fast for, for what they are and being front wheel drive. So I was keen on that. I could race it as IP. And ultimately head towards a target style thing because that's what I want to learn. So the Renault sort of ticked those boxes. Damo, who does all the mechanical stuff at DC Autos, he's got a Clio Sport that he does all the tuning vents in. Yep. Um, and I've driven that, and that's a really cool little car. So it's like, oh, I'm kind of confident in a Renault then. Never, I've never had an affinity towards them, never even looked at them before, right? Um, and he's put this bit in, and then the phone rings, like me and Chris are working on the car and the phone rings. It's like, oh, blah, 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 Brian from Lloyd's Auctions. Uh, you, you put this bit on this Renault, and it's, uh, but it hasn't met reserve. I'm like, oh, bummer. Oh, well, yeah, it's just a dumb fleeting interest. He's like, but we're going to take your bid. I'm like, oh, no way. Cool. <laughs> so we decided to leave it over there. I got it shipped to my mate's workshop, uh, Lynn Automotive, and oh, Matt from the Nugget Pro- Project first, and then it went to Lynn Automotive to get a couple of prep things done on it. And the idea was that we'd go over to Melbourne, go do Phillip Island, which is, you've heard me harp on forever that I want to do Phillip Island. So it all kind of worked out. Do that for my 40th and then come back to WA with it. But COVID stopped that. It sat over there for three months. So I finally got sick of it sitting there. So um, got it put on the transporter and brought over here and took it around the track last Friday and loved it. It's a easy, one of the easiest cars I've driven around a track. Like it's just so compliant. It's so easy to drive it's got good power it's not that it's underpowered like it's easier to drive than an xl by miles um so yeah so the idea for that is to i've got to do a couple more little jobs on it uh get it rally regoed so i've got to change the logbook to a rally so a production rally logbook um and then i want to get a rally rego and you know do the target ride along or the 130 or 165 or whatever i'm allowed to do since I don't have a proper rally license and learn that. 
um, yeah, and, and it's, yeah, in the end of the day, if, if I'm not quite into that sort of thing, I'll just flick it and, uh, yeah, get rid of it. Same as like the, you know, little, I've got a little wingless sprint car. I've, I've driven that twice now and um, it's just such a cool, so bipolar different, but I'm probably going to let that go because I just don't have the time for it. I've got so many other cars and projects on the go. Yeah. So, yeah. Which brings me to your next project, which you've just got. Yeah. The new Skyline or the new Dodge Viper? <laughs> oh, God. Didn't even know about the Skyline. Oh, okay. I've been building a Skyline. I brought Skyline. I've brought two Skylines a little while ago. Mm. They had to replace the sedan as a race car. So the yeah. two-door ones, I always want, anyone that knows me well enough knows that I always wanted a two-door race car. Um, so, yeah, I've got one that's a really nice car. Um, it's got uh, the K, the structural work's just been done on it, so all the cage work's just been finished. Uh, yeah. And I'll do a video on that pretty soon because it's the cage work is beautiful in it. Um, and that's going to have the big motor that was always going to go into the, the sedan and a proper sequential rather than a dog box. And, like, it should be a, a 58-second race car, hoping for 58 seconds and race pace on it. So, yeah, it should be a – yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the Dodge Viper. Viper. The Dodge the Viper. Dodge Viper. So that's a bit of a poster car, right? So yeah, um, yeah. the first Bastard. Need for Speed, um, you know, when it, I think it was early Need for Speed, you know, it had the, the Texas or the Desert out, sort of Outlook. I remember I had a poster and it had the Dodge Viper and the Super on it. Or maybe just had the Dodge Viper and I play, always played the Super in the game. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that. And the same thing, I was bidding on that. That GDR I was just talking about that blew me out of the water that's now for sale again. Um, so the black GDR... A bit down that next auction um there's a two a 260z and the dodge viper didn't get the 260z but got the dodge viper um for for reasonable money for i wasn't ludicrous money so it, it didn't go for supercar money put it that way um and it went for cheaper than the gdr um yeah. so i put the bid in uh, no one else bid on it there's one bid before me and then no yeah so there's one bid i bid he bid i bid again uh, I did. I tried to leave it to the very last minute. Um, so with the Lloyd stuff, if you bid within a minute, it auto extends. But if you bid within 20 seconds, it doesn't. And you've got to be right on the cuff. Um, so I got it. And uh, yeah, that should be, should have been picked up on the transporter today. Um, so yeah, that's a uh, yeah, that's a really cool car. So it's a long story with that one. The, from from what the auctioneers told me, the guy had owned it. He brought two of them. So, and the deal was he brought a Roadster or an RT10. So this is an RT10 as well, but he brought an RT10 open top. Um, and to buy that, he had to buy both cars. And he was happy with the price of both cars to buy just the RT10. This is going back some years ago. And he's just had this one in his showroom for ages. And then, uh, you know, COVID and everything, he's never going to use it. So it's just been, uh, he put it through the auctions. And uh, I brought it. So it's a race car from SVS, so uh, Special Viper Systems. It was like a back in the day in the heyday of muscle cars in the States, there's all these companies that you could buy brand new cars from. So you had like Hennessy and, you know, like our version of Walkinshaw, I suppose. So over in the States, you could buy a Hennessy Dodge Viper or you could buy an SVS Dodge Viper. So this was their SVS race. So this is the car that the actual SVS owner's son raced. Uh, through 97, 98, 99, uh, pretty much won all that, those years of racing for the categories that it raced in. 
Um, and then, yeah, I, I've got a, I've got hold of some of the Dodge Viper clubs uh, in the States. And I've got a bit of information on it from those years. And then it sort of went missing for a bit and ended up in Australia. So, um, yeah, so I've got that, that car now on the way to WA. The idea for that is I'm going to get it back up to spec for racing as a sports car. Um, and then if I really like it, if it's as fast as the Skyline, then I'll, I might keep it for a bit. Uh, I might try to convert it. It's got all the import paperwork with it. I might try to uh, convert it over and try to get it to um, rally rego or even full rego. Because this is Dodge Viper, man. You just don't see them. I see yeah. Lambos every day and, and Austin Martins every day in the city on St. George's Terrace. I don't see Dodge Vipers. Um, no, no, definitely and, don't. And there's some cool, you know, there's a couple of cool Dodge Vipers in WA. So there's some bit of knowledge, bit of local knowledge and supports, which is kind of good. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's not a GDR. It's not not one of the forever cars, but it's definitely a a poster car and a, and a childhood dream car. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I sent you a message pretty quickly calling you all sorts of names, uh, because that, that car was on my list of uh, ones I'd I'd love to have had in a garage at some stage, or at least to drive. So. Yeah. So it's um, no, it's a. It's a cool car. Hopefully it's as good as it looks, you know, like it took a massive punt. Like it's a huge yeah. gamble, right? Spending that sort of money, sight unseen sort of stuff. But um, I've brought a few cars through Lloyd's now. Um, they've, you know, this is sound like a sponsored plug for them. I should hit them up. Um, but they've always been really good to deal with, really yeah. helpful. And I haven't been let down yet. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, who, who knows? I've got to go over it. You know, being an ex-race car, no no doubt there will be rows, joints, and wiring and some fuel system stuff that will need fixing up. But it's got all the good – it's got huge brakes on it and massive tyres and rad coilovers and big fuel system and, you know, and a gnarly big V10 in the front of it. Mm. Um, and I didn't know jack about the Dodge Vipers until just re- – I've learnt a lot in the last three weeks on it. Um, so they got, engines, they got really shit brakes. <laughs> yeah, so these, this has got big aftermarket race brakes on it. Yeah, um, but the uh, it's got a. Uh, I didn't realize the engines were originally built by Lamborghini for Chrysler because Chrysler owned Lamborghini in those middle nineties period, and then yeah. there was some in the late late two thousands or mid to late two thousands. There was some big horrible court case between Lamborghini and Dodge Viper over them still using the engine. So, yeah, I always thought it was like a truck engine that was shoehorn, you know, proper American Farm Bros 2000 sort of spec build. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm just looking forward to it. Like I said, real ignorant purchase, proper Kevin moment. But uh, um, <laughs> I'm going to have to stop Dodge talking Viper, potato you know? and call you Kevin now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, Andrea would laugh at that. Um, <laughs> but it is, you know, like it's – yeah, it's it is pretty cool, and like I said, it wasn't ridiculous. I mean, it's a lot of money, but it wasn't. I know there's drift cars for sale at the moment that are worth more than that Dodge Viper, you know. And this is it's a yeah. supercar in its own right, yeah. a uh, crashly built American '90s supercar. But yeah, mm. um, you know, it's had a few modernizations done. It's got a carbon front clip from the later model, and um, yeah, it's got a few cool bits and pieces, but. Uh, yeah, I'm just keen to get over here. It'd be a cool car just to, even if I don't race it door to door, because, you know, without all the molds and everything, it, I wouldn't want to hurt it. Um, but, you know, go do the sprints and stuff like that with it and 
you know, just it's a Dodge Viper. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to say anything else. Yeah. So yeah, that was yeah. I mean, I'm really really lucky. So like I said, I worked away for a long time. Um, I paid off a lot of debt early. Um, I got into the housing market early in life, uh, so I was able to clear a lot of debt um, and, and make a bit of money. So not having, you know, I'm over 40 now, so I'm not young anymore. But I don't. Uh, I'm fortunate that I don't have a lot of debt hanging over my head. So yeah. when you see a, the, when you have the opportunity to buy a forever car um, or, or something that's just a childhood dream, you know, you can. And, and I had a couple of people have a go at me about it. You know, like I had some people that weren't as positive as like you were. And I've had other mates ring up. They were just like, man, that is awesome. So cool. Yeah. You know, did you really do it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's happening. But I had other people who were like just real negative. I'm like, well, you drive a 200 series Land Cruiser, you know, that's a $130,000 car. You've just brought a brand new 300 series or you just brought a $150,000 caravan or, or a $70,000 boat, speedboat or whatever, you know, like it's, it's all the same thing. That's, that's what you choose to be your, your outlet. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Mine is, mine is cool, weird race cars. And as soon as the kids start running, you know, my kids are still a little bit young, but as soon as they start into their sports, so if they want to go gangbusters with going and playing rugby at every single state around the place, or they get good enough at, whatever sport they're going to do or go-karts, you know, heaven forbid. Um, if that's what they do, that's what I'll be fully into. That's what yeah. the family will do, you know, and my stuff will just go into storage or go on the back burner or whatever, you know. So, mm. yeah, that's, yeah. So. Now, be, behind the scenes of motorsport, you've uh, you've got Lux Performance. Yep. And you've also uh, been... From my understanding, on at least one committee, which was... Oh, yeah, I'm, uh, a, I'm an idiot. I get on too many committees. Okay, okay. What, what have you done behind the scenes with motorsport? So, so yeah, tell us so, a little bit about Lux. Yeah, so Lux started in Darwin, so believe it or not, on the side. Um, that was out of frustration and not being able to buy parts. And it's a typical... We were sort of remote, right? So if I brought something, someone else needed it, so I'd buy two or buy three. And then that just turned into a, a side gig which then turned into an actual real business um then my wife uh when we had number one when we had matt uh she did a bit of a project to figure out the e-commerce side of it and build the website and or how, how all those tools work because i'm a complete you've seen me try to log into these meetings you know like so she's you know that was so it just went yeah, from there let, and then, let's just let's just say something right there though but you use an iphone and iphones are crap yeah but so. it's 29 percent of the market share an iphone <laughs> yeah. oh, you've, revi you've revised, revised that down from the 80% you said earlier yeah I know I'm a numbers guy um, but yeah, yeah so that was that was that. and when we moved from Darwin to Perth um, it's the same time Mike Nan, who's performance race gear the P1 importer for Australia so I used to carry a lot of O&P bits and pieces and then I moved to Perth and then Mike went to South Australia uh, or oh, Victoria sorry or Koroit um, and so I'd already brought a few bits and pieces off him at the stage. And he's like, oh, I'm moving. What are you doing? I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I want to try and do a bit more with this. Yeah. And sort of, you know, so I changed from OMP to P1, um, focused more on carrying some higher end race gear. Um, and that sort of grew from there. Um, yeah. And like, and, and I still work with Mike now, you know, so I still buy most of my stuff through him as a wholesaler. He's back in WA now, but we still work together. Like this weekend, I'm, doing a trade stand for both of us at the Arise thing. So we'll have yeah. uh, 
I'll have a heap of his display suits with me. Um, so there'll be a heap of supercar suits there on display. Um, and I'll have a couple of new Shreebirths there and as well as the normal P1 suits. So, mm. yeah, so that's that's how Lux came about. And then in Darwin, uh, so in New Zealand, I was on a social club committee that ran track days for the, for, you know, the um, power provider in New Zealand that uh, ran track days, uh, came up, came to Darwin, uh, I was on the social, oh, well, no, when I was in central Queensland, the Chinchilla Car Club, I was on there for a year. Um, yep. They just got a car club going. Didn't do any racing and stuff, but it was a social thing. It was just a way to meet people. Small country town at the stage, you know, I was in uh, between Roma and Dolby, and, yeah, it was, that was pretty cool. Um, Darwin, I was on the drift committee up there for a year or two years. Yeah. Uh, in Perth, I was on um, the drift committee, then the streetcar committee, um, uh, driftability for two years. Uh, this year, I've nominated for the West committee, and mm-hmm. I'm also on the uh, WA Sports Car Sports Sedan um, committee this year as well. So, okay. yeah. I just like to, like, I don't know if it's the way I'm, I, I'd like to learn how organizations work, and I yeah. like the way things, to try and figure out a structure and plan stuff out. Um, yeah, I, I, I try to do it pretty well with some of the projects and stuff. That's how I churn through them all. Like, I built that VE Commodore pretty quickly, but that was through outsourcing and using a lot of really cool mates to help build that car. But everything, I've all got pretty staged and stacked up to when things have to happen. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just like figuring out organizations and making things happen. And, yeah, Driftability, I enjoyed. That's a cool charity event. Um, yeah, and like I said, the... Uh, on the sports sedan sports car committee this year and uh west committee so be interesting to see how that uh that whole big beast works and and just figure it out yeah okay cool cool so um oh look at that we've just ticked over the hour mark so we might um get into a couple of the uh, our usual questions and uh i'm gonna actually ask you one of the questions you usually ask everyone but that'll be in a minute yeah. Um, if you could be sitting next to anyone, uh, to, you know, get driver training off, uh, at any circuit in the world from any person, driver, former team, bot, whatever, you know, from anyone in motorsport, yeah. I guess, uh, what circuit would you like to go to and who would you like to be your instructor? Yeah. Well, this is one we ask a lot. And yep. I've never really thought about it too much. Circuit wise, would be um, uh, Laguna Seca. So ah, that's, yes, yes. So that's just a circuit that I think is just downright awesome, right? Um, yeah. The corkscrew is insane. It's like what three, four story drop. Yeah, it's just it, it's just my so um, maybe a bit more. Yeah, it's just my favorite uh, favorite you know track. It's just super, super, super cool. Yep. Um, and then driver that I'd like to do it with, oh, man, this, we're so lucky. There's so many rad, awesome drivers. I'd probably like to do it with someone that I know that you could have a little bit of a laugh with, but in the same times if you can pick anyone. So maybe Stephen Richards, yep. you know, um, you know, New Zealand supercar driver, um, just epic achievements there. Uh, so maybe, yes, yeah, Stephen Richards, corkscrew or, someone just ultra American and, and legendary, you know, like skip or one of those guys, 
um, that's probably done it five million times and within a lap could really tell you five places to put the car that would just drop 10 seconds, you know, and then you'd be like, wow, that's, yeah, and then you just talk war stories for the rest of the time. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but no, I think, yeah, if I could pick any driver, it'd be probably, because growing up, that was sort of, Stephen Richards was sort of the, like, from my side of the world, he was yep. sort of like the guy, that era, you know, that little bit younger than summer, you know, he went way too soon, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, him, um, yeah, and, and Laguna Seca would be my pick. I, I just think this is just a cool track. It's not too long, so you don't get lost in the craziness. You know, like you think about like Spa or, you know, yeah. epic tracks like that, Spa or Circuit of the Americas or any of those big national circuits. They're all long tracks. You just, you've got to remember we're amateurs, right? So I would just not get my head around the whole track. I could spend a day there and you'd not, you'd probably only nail two corners, right? Whereas Laguna Seca is a little bit smaller track. You, everyone's played it enough on a simulator. You'd kind of feel comfortable. And then once you'd, you, you'd not crashed on the corkscrew, you'd just feel like, yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I'd probably know. I'm, I'd, I'd slot that, that, that slight kink just before the corkscrew. I'd slide off there and yeah. take it, take out the water barrier or the, the tire barriers on the inside there. I'd loop it and I'd wreck the whole day anyway. That would be my yeah. luck. Day over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, now our, our other question, which uh, usually you get to ask, but I finally get to ask this one. Uh, have you got any uh, superstitions? Nah, and this is again, this one, I don't really have any superstitions. I kind of, I've developed the superstition of the weird toilet stall thing after talking to everyone on the show. Um, <laughs> but I've thought about this a lot. So the superstition I have um, is checking that the Dorian works every single race meeting. So, like, and this is this goes back to back back in the, back in the day as well. Like, so you know it's going to work. The lights on. It's been on charge all bloody night. Or if you're lucky enough, like my other car's got the wide in one, you still know. It's, I still physically take it up and get the timer to say to scan it and go, yes, it works. Yeah. Because you know, and I can guarantee the one time I don't do that, it won't work. Yeah. So that's kind of like my weird weird thing. It's just, and it like so even when you're in a very, rush, you're like I think that's it. I think it's a very intelligent thing because the amount of races that I hear at a circuit going, my bloody Dorian doesn't work. Well, did you check it before you went out? Yeah. And I reckon that 10 out of 10 times they haven't. Yeah. I got, think... Okay. I'll, be, I'll put a bit more faith. Nine out of 10 times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah, yeah, that's just one thing that I probably don't need to do, but I do every time. And I think, yeah. And then I got one where it's not a superstition, but every single time, the first time of the day, I put my gloves on the dash too far away from me to get once I've got my harness done up. Yeah. And then I've got to undo the harness and go and get my gloves again. <laughs> it annoys the crap <laughs> out of me. And I do it every time. And I know I do it every time. And it's like just dumb. Yeah. No, no sense changing it. Yeah. Yeah. No sense. It's just one of those things. I should be like, oh, yep, yeah, cool. Put my gloves right next to me or something. But yeah, just a yeah. dumb, that's humans. We don't evolve as well as we think. Oh, well. <laughs> well, uh, right. I think we're, we're going to wrap this up. Um, and we will, yeah, obviously, uh, yeah, a bit of a break last year. We, yeah, we, we had a few episodes in, but. 
just uh, with with all the amount of work that uh, myself. And yes, sir, it was doing, crazy. It was just we just couldn't get it done. Um, and this year we will not be doing any videos uh, like the the video recording of our podcast. Um, so yeah, that's that's going to stop. Um, we do have one episode we still have recorded that's video, um, and we will release that um later in the season uh, and that was the second half of our chat with ian board um uh, yep. and I, I think that one definitely needs to be released uh, on video um because uh, it did get a little bit emotional for a little bit um mm. and yeah, he's, he's just a river bloke and it's awesome to see him driving now yeah yeah so um i've um i've been um hanging around motorplex drags like a bad smell um and uh, i don't blame you the, some of those photos you're getting the footage like yeah. that shot of um you know i'm biased but that shot of kyle's um of putlands yeah yeah of the um what do you what do you even call it it's top fuel yep just complete mental thing like just amazing just yeah. absolutely amazing pieces of kit but yep. yeah yeah, and you know, I mean, we're down there just purely to get you know editorial content. We're not down there for you know photo sales or anything like that. You know, anything we do get is purely just you know what we get for our use. Um, you know, you got people like Phil Lawyer down there, um, uh, Mike, I think it is from ACS Images, um, and um, oh, so bad, I've forgotten his name. Um, oh, it's some amazing photographers. Down Jay there. Treasure, Jay Treasure yep. down there. Um, you know, and, and a lot of those guys have their clients. So, you know, they don't get the, um, I guess the ability to just do what they want, which is what I love being able to do is just go down and take the photos that I want. And So is that know. pretty cool? Just being able to go to an event and not feel, uh, oh, stressed so or rushed, so like you, you've got to cover X, Y, yep. and Z because that's the commitments you have. Is that? Yeah, look, even even motivation this year, you know, like we last year uh, was our first year dealing with motivation, uh, well, summer nats, um, and because I'd hassled them out a lot, um, I went very um, like down the line with what they asked for. Um, well, not all the way because it was it was a bit over the top, but you know we've got a fair bit off to them, and they ended up using a lot of photos. And then this year, you know, they they were the ones summer nats were the guys that. Um, Ali at Summonats, um, and I'm going to look her name up very quickly. Aria, Aria, and Ali from uh, Summonats were the ones that reached out and offered the helicopter ride. Um, cool. You know, and and again, you know, and this year, you know, instead of the, you know, I think last year I took, you know, 600 photos a day or something, and this year was like 300. If I was lucky, yeah. Um, and that's that's what I love about being able to go to these events, uh, doing the behind the sports stuff. Um, you know, is because it, it, we can just do what do what we want. You know, we do we can. You know, we still put the same amount of effort in, regardless if it's doing it for ourselves or doing it for a client. Um, but we can do some different stuff. You know, there's not the expectation of certain. Uh, you know, like press magazine photos. You know, that that get picked up by the likes of. You know, Speed Cafe when they decide to do grassroots stuff, um, which, funnily enough, they've just launched a brand new section and a brand new Facebook, which covers grassroots. Um, How many times have we asked for that? But screw them. 
Um, Behindthesport.net is where it's at. Yeah, um, the people. No, yep. no need for mainstream. You got that. Um, and, but anyway, yeah. So, so you know, that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know where I was going with all that. Uh, got a bit soft. Oh, I just see you don't have the pressure of having to yeah, provide yeah, yeah. provide content for third parties. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it still gets picked up. You know, so uh, motivation thirty sevens um, poster is uh, well, the, all the advertising they've done so far is a photo that I took of Smoke and Rat at Motivation thirty six that just happened on the weekend. Which one was Smoke and Rat? Uh, Go have a look at Motivation 37 on Facebook and you'll see. I'm going to have to find out. <laughs> um, yeah, beautiful car, beautiful car. Um, it's one of those uh, um, uh, burnout trucks. You're yeah. going to have to build yourself one day, I think. You're getting... I do. I do want a car, but that's... A oh, hard. yeah, so that's like a... Full-scale truck burnout thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Um, yes, but uh, so, yeah, so back to the, the, to the season ahead. Uh, we've got the one video, which is one video episode to come, which has already been pre-recorded uh, with Ian Board. Um, we have so far got two supercar drivers lined up, super two driver lined up, um our next guest will be young uh charlotte pointing uh i hope i've said her last name right um we met at uh sydney motorsport park back in may last year uh and ended up hanging out doing girls on track stuff and um, yeah pretty cool young lady um we have someone coming on the show who has a lot of dirt on adam marjoram um, so I think we're going to bring Adam in as a guest host that day, um, just to see what we get out of that. We might have to make that a an after dark special by the sounds of it. By by the oh, any, any messages back a, and forth between the three the three yeah you know, the three people involved with that. So anything yeah. outside of an ad for Brill Cream has to be an after dark special for Adam Marjorie, I reckon. <laughs> um, yeah, and a uh, couple of drags um, competitors. Um, yeah, there's lots, there's lots. So, um, yeah, so all audio, hope you guys enjoy Make sure you still subscribe and stuff through the, uh, various platforms, Spotify, Amazon, Google, <laughs> iTunes, if you must, um, 29% market share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and uh, oh, what's um, what's what's Android market share? Oh, everything oh. else, isn't it? Yeah, it's close to seventy percent. <laughs> yeah, um, but anyway. So look, um, thanks for having a chat, Brent. I know uh, sort of put oh, you, you on know the, me. I, I love it. Sort of um, put you on the spot today by not telling you in advance uh, who the guest was going to be. Um, this fight going who's the guest i'm like it's a surprise it's a surprise and then hey it's you surprise um yeah well, i'd like to get a bit of content on them and some questions but no it's yeah. you know me i could ramble about anything with motorsport for ages yeah we're lucky we're wa's the the only good thing about being the uh the, the sole country of wa through this whole COVID thing is that 
pretty pretty much apart from a couple of cancelled events here and there we've and until the recent mandate stuff we've been able to have events rolling through so we are very very lucky compared to Absolutely. some of the others you know so yeah. it, it is cool our venues are still getting used um we're still yeah still able to get out and do stuff so that's cool yeah all right that note end of episode uh catch you all next time awesome man thank you shane here from behind the sport thanks for listening to our latest episode if you don't already follow us head on over to facebook and instagram find us on there give us a follow or visit our website behindthesport.net, catch up with the latest motorsport news, find all of our previous episodes, and of course you can leave us comments on those as well. You can also find us on your favourite podcast provider such as Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes and more. Thanks for listening, we'll catch you next time.